Thanksgiving is in uh, October. So, like, we basically get Thanksgiving off as a long weekend, and it's always like... Because uh, we have at least one day off a month. And so mm -hmm. our Thanksgiving is in October. Technically, you're Columbus Day. Do you get Columbus Day off? Uh, most of us don't, no. It's, it's really more of a lip service holiday. Yeah. Like, do you don't, you don't consider it a stat holiday or anything? No, I mean, depending on where it falls on the calendar, you know, sometimes the government employees will go and take the day off on there. Uh, half the schools go and observe, half the schools don't, mm. but yeah, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's like, eh. That, no, nobody really celebrates it, nobody really thinks much of it, it's just like, meh. Man, what if you guys moved your, do you have any, do you have any holidays in October then at all? Hmm? Uh, no. Oh. No, not, not one that I would consider to be, you know, really recognizable. Well, like, I don't know, the way we have stuff here is like we have our stats, and so you get paid three hours that day and normally you don't work and if you do work then you get paid for what you worked plus the three hours or it's paid as overtime i don't remember one or the other so if you work the stat then normally you get paid maybe you get paid time and a half for three hours i don't remember yeah something like that depends on the place normally retail does that because they retail places always stay open but if you're in any other business normally it's closed so yeah we always have like one day a month that is a stat and so we mm -hmm. always have at least one long weekend in any month which is nice mm -hmm. that does sound nice so yeah that's what i'm wondering. like if if october or november since you guys kind of have thanksgiving and i guess you call it veterans day we call it large remembrance day um I'd rather go and call it that. Quite honestly, I think that that's more appropriate. God, you just, just got to move to Canada. Look at that. You can here's <laughs> here's some of the perks. You get a day off in October, plus you get to celebrate Thanksgiving in when it actually feels like fall and not winter. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you have snow there? Probably. Is it cold or is no. it too hot? It, it's cold, but no, we haven't seen sticking snow anyway. We've seen a couple of flurries, but oh, that's we, about it. Oh, we got sticking snow. Yeah, we, we, we don't... We, <laughs> we, we got no, we, snow. We don't, we don't get that the way that you do. Yeah. No, we got snow. So yeah, so that's why it's nice to, like, I've never thought of Thanksgiving as being winter weather. It's always been, since it's in the middle of October, it's like right before snow hits. Uh, so it is always just fall. It's Trees are all red and yellow and orange, and it's kind of cold, but it's like sweater weather, not uh, uh, winter coat weather. So, yeah. And then, you know, we, all, we just have a Remembrance Day in, uh, in Canada. And we don't have our Thanksgiving, so like, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's not, is it like... I don't know. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's completely different there. Maybe you don't you just have things that are observed and some things that are not observed and it's like sort of throw a stick at it where here we have dedicated these are the days are considered stat holidays. You have the stat holiday. If you work this day, you get the time and a half. If you don't work this day, you still get the minimum 3 hours pay for that day. So well, the the problem here is that they've just Everything gets shifted around now, it seems like, around bureaucrats' ideas of when they should go and have time off. Because we'll have some months where there's a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, basically any federal employee gets to go and take the time off and all that. 
And, you know, in retail, you generally don't get that regardless. You know, there's a couple of observed holidays, but, you know, we're talking maybe, you know, seven, I would say, for most uh, most places across the uh, entire year. Uh, but even that's somewhat questionable these days. I mean, it's just the... Well, I'm see, not going to go thing. into all of that stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, we... We have like retail will still work those days, but they're still a technically hot, uh, technical stat holiday. And since retail stores stay open, if you work the stat holiday, you get paid more than you would any other day. So yeah, and depending on depending on who you're employed by, there is a lot of that that goes on. But uh, I'd go and say that's probably like thirty percent of our workforce here, uh, at least in terms of retail. Yeah, like here here it's just a government thing, like. If they don't pay you for that money, then they, you can take them to court and say, "Hey, I'm owed this money. The government says so." So, yeah. Anyways, uh, welcome. This is uh, Zio, uh, Soccer Rangers podcast. Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm the Black Ranger. I'm Robert, and I'm American. I mean, the Red Ranger. He's American. <laughs> I just uh, that makes me think of a, a Kiva Rangers, and they have the uh, <laughs> they call them the powerful Rangers, and then they're just the Zero Rangers uh, are are our Power Rangers, and then they have the belts are the American flag on the belt, and then like a collar is also the American flag, and they're just so stereotypical what Japanese think of America, and it is just mm-hmm. hilarious. Uh, so yeah, we're here, um, we talk about cosplay, conventions, and nerd in general, uh, it's just us two, so we're gonna ramble the way we do, I'll rant a little bit, he'll rant a little bit, mm-hmm. and that's interesting. I might rant a lot tonight, oh! I don't know, I feel very ranty, I don't know why. Ooh, do you have things? Oh, man, okay. I, I, I don't really have anything to rant about, but I mean, at some point, there's going to be a rant, the, it's just a question of do I do it a little, do I do it a lot? I don't know. Well, how about how about you fill some time while I go grab a beer? Hmm? Sure, sure, I can go and do that. Yeah, because I just drink. Now then, you know what really grinds my gears? Cole. Cole grinds my gears. Because he told us two weeks ago he wasn't going to be here, and then he did not have the self-respect to go and tell us again that he wouldn't be here tonight. And then I forgot about it. What is wrong with him? How selfish not to go and tell us that he wasn't going to be here again. Just that son of a bitch. How could he not tell me that he wasn't going to be here again after he told me two weeks ago? He knew we would forget. He knew. And that's what grinds my gears. Ooh. Talking about Cole, are you? Yeah, no, just making a joke because it's like, oh, right. He's not going to be here this week. It's like, ah, damn it. He told us that two weeks ago, didn't he? He did. Two weeks ago? Shit. Was it three weeks ago? God damn, how long ago was it, it? It's, it's been a while, so it's like, I'm, I'm making the joke like, oh, I'm, I'm pissed off at him because he didn't go and, you know. Like, what even is time, to tell really? us again. Huh. Yeah, exactly. It's like, man, I can barely remember. You know what? Actually, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. I'm getting that old. So, so I I started a new TV show I'm watching. Uh-huh. It was, uh, it's, uh, first season was on Netflix, and I was like, this mm-hmm. interests me. Uh, it's called The Good Place. It's on NBC. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, I had to think about that for a second. Yeah, I watched a couple of episodes of that uh, when it was, you know, still on the network. So mm. I was like, it is huh. still on the network. Uh, they got season yeah. two going on. Right. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, like when it, when I premiered, I mean, oh, sorry, oh, yeah. poor oh, wording there. Mm, yeah. mm. I, no, no, I get, I, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I just, I haven't kept up with it. I mean, what? How far along are you, and what do you think? Well, this is just—I like, really <laughs> love the concept. This is <laughs> this is just the thing. Is like I watched it, and then I just started watching a weekend, and then I'm watching, watching, watching. I'm like, oh, season two's out. That's great. I'm gonna start watching season two. Uh, catch up to it. So like, I literally started watching it like last Thursday or Saturday or Sunday, somewhere in in the weekend there, um, and I catch up, and I'm like, oh. What day? What day does this air? Because I don't know. Because I watched the first season on Netflix, and then they had second season going. And because I, I watched the first season, I'm like, that was really good. And then I was like, I wonder if they're going to make a season two. And I'm like, season two is already airing. It's airing currently right now. Well, I'm going to watch that as well. And I get up to it. And I'm like, oh, it airs on Thursday. That means the last episode literally just came out. And today's Thursday that we record on because that's when we record our podcast. So when you get this, it's time stamped too late now um i'm like oh i gotta I, i'm gonna wait for the new episode come out and i'm gonna watch it because i'm excited and then i go where, where where is it why why isn't it coming out oh turns out it's football's starting and they cut that yeah. time yep. stop out so now this preempted by football this, this season that i this series that i'm watching that i literally just binged a whole up to this one episode <laughs> That literally just came out, and I'm excited for the next episode because it comes out every Thursday. Literally just stopped airing, and isn't going to air for another two months. I'm like, what? How? How? <laughs> how does it? How does it coincidentally hit you in such a way that you are able to, as soon as the newest episode that's they're they're hitting their mid-season hiatus, you just start watching the show and then watch all of it and get excited, and then it's like I just I caught that that very end where you can watch a show and then you hit the end and you're like, oh, now I gotta watch more, but I can't and I have to wait. Is that a, that's a feeling now. Where It is. They gotta, they gotta get a word for that feeling. That feeling of watching a TV show and getting super invested in it and then having to wait for the next part of it to come out for how long. But then <laughs> it just, it worked out so much that I got super excited because I got into it and I'm like, okay, now that it's airing, I'll catch up but I only got into it as immediately when they put it right on a hiatus. And I didn't find out about that until as soon as I caught up and was waiting for the new episode. Because I just caught up today. So you get really excited for a new episode because you just catch up and then learn that, oh no, it's instantly on hiatus as soon as you started catching up. Goddamn. I got them blue balls. That's... That's pretty funny, all things considered. Like, I shouldn't be as entertained by that as I am, but I, I, I am regardless. Yeah. So yeah, no, I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna tell the concept is a, it's in the afterlife, and there's a good place and bad place, and it's the good place, and then someone gets into the good place who is mistaken for someone who is actually good, and then they're actually a really, really bad person, and then it's them just sort of trying to keep the secret that they're actually a really bad person but they were accidentally sent to the good place and as a uh misunderstanding i guess or mistake and it's a mistake (laughs) yeah and it's uh it's written by the same or it's created by the same guy that did uh parks and rec and uh uh 
Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So, if you've ever watched those shows, it's that kind of humor. Yeah. And I like that, because I watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I thought it was hilarious. I I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Just that first episode, that pilot. God, I don't even Just remember the pilot. They already got, like, four seasons now. Yeah, exactly. No, but pilot. Uh... Just so many quotable lines in that damn thing. And Jake with the Speedo for no good reason. And Andre Bauer going and playing an openly gay black police officer in New York since the 1980s and being fearless of absolutely everything. Oh, but his character is the greatest because his character... is! It's amazing! I loved it from that first episode. It's like... You, you guys know my thing when it comes to writing characters on TV shows and how it seems like so many of them that are worked in these days seem to be just going and checking off on a list of, you know, demographics to try to appeal to. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I did not go and see the fact that he was gay coming. No. It doesn't affect the story at all. No. But. It almost enhances it also it does not. It, it actually does. Like, they wrote a character who I want to see because he's fun and interesting, and they managed to go and use that angle for, this being a comedy series in this case, for the sake of comedy. Mm-hmm. Not for the sake of drama, not for the sake of going and having some preachy moment. No, they made a guy who I really like. I just, I love, I love Andre Bauer anyway. And him as, <laughs> him as, uh, Oh God! Why am I forgetting his title here, Sergeant uh, Holt? Yes. It's like yeah. he he is awesome. Is he the sergeant character is no, awesome. He's, he's not your sergeant. He's a oh, he's above sergeant, isn't he? Captain Holt. He's captain. Yes, captain. Sorry, captain. Yes, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking of Terry Crews's character, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and Terry Crews is in there. He's hilarious yeah. too. It's got a oh, that's okay. got a good cast. It's just a good cast. Yeah. To be no, they they. They just did a good job. The writing has been consistently good on there. Uh, I'll admit, I am getting a little tired of it with uh, some of the most recent stuff because it isn't really evolving. But that's okay because it's still it's one of the, it's kind of like Scrubs. In oh, that I also like Scrubs I could turn, though. That's just it. It's another show that you can just go and turn it on. You know, any episode. Yeah. And for the most part, you don't need to know what happened in the previous one, and it can just be entertaining. It's the same thing that was great about. Uh, most of Parks and Rec, uh, 30 Rock, uh, even, you know, going down the road of NBC comedies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's also what was great about the first run of Will and Grace and Friends. There's a reason why these shows are still in reruns today, because yeah. they're just damn good. Or Seinfeld, for that matter. It's like, you know you have a good show when you can just go and turn on any random episode, and with the exception of maybe a handful you can follow along and be entertained just the same way you would if you've been watching every episode religiously every week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they have both the overarching arc, or the but then every episode is like a very it's both episodical and overarching because there's like the main plot points that always just kind of build through the whole series, but then every episode is about a situation. So it is a sitcom, uh, but then there's still an over. It's not completely sitcom where things don't change a whole lot. Um, yeah, but like Captain Holt being his character, which is <laughs> he's, it's a pretty brilliant character because he 
has to show like literally no emotion and he's very stoic all the time but then they make that the joke so to be able to act stoic yet make it ironically stoic or satirically stoic satirically yeah that's that's more the word right there yeah yeah i don't know if there's anything ironic about it but it is satirical in the process it just mm. satire and irony are very they're, hand in they hand they can go and bridge the line yeah but they are not in direct correlation all the time yeah they can be but it's situational yeah so that's why i'd say like it's both ironic because they you have to say it ironically in the sense that lots of times when he's like stoic and he'll do the same bland straight face he's like do i and he'll openly say this is my excited face can't you tell that this is my excited face i'm jumping for joy right now or it's it's like the it's almost like the dry british humor kind of thing where it's just like uh what was what's some of the jokes like i it's the one that i'll see montages of over facebook of like the largest to have a clip of all the videos of him doing something and he'll be like aha that was a good time oh i'm sorry for uh showing so much emotion there i'm not so used to it and just like that's almost ironic and satirical at the same time because yeah. the irony is that he's <laughs> he shows absolutely no emotion but then he will talk about it in saying i'm sorry for uh becoming so emotional right there where it's ironic because he's not emotional but then he's also doing it in a satirical fashion because that's the whole point of the character is that he is very stoic and shows no emotion but he always has lots of emotion mm-hmm. so it's both yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> i can oh, debate God. and yeah, no, exactly. And from season two, and I don't feel bad about this because it is four seasons in at this point, and this is not a, this is a show you can't really spoil in my mind, because there's not enough story to it to really make, for the most part, it, I just don't think there's any way of really going and ruining the show. But yes, you have this seemingly stoic character who does express emotions, but. Nobody can tell other than him going and saying that he is. And then they introduce the rival. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, they introduce Madeline Wunsch, who is just the worst. And she's played by Kira Sedgwick, who is another really, really good actress and really capable of some funny moments. And this character, who is normally so stoic... And never shows any emotion. The one time that he shows emotion is any time that she is in the scene or being mentioned. Yeah. And nobody knows how to handle it. And that's always, that's his character because he hates her. And yeah. And the character, uh, like, that's another thing is I always see the montages of him uh, uh, trying to make wordplay with the her thing. name and everything. <laughs> and oh, then there's the one. things he says. One episode just like, oh, Winch kind of sounds like what was it lunch yes lunch yeah and then he starts making lunch puns all the time every she every time she shows up it's it's a good show i, I like it it's yeah. a little bit uh well look how can i describe the humor it's not so lowbrow humor but it's not like super highbrow humor it's a nice medium humor it's just entertaining mm-hmm 
It's... Uh, I cannot find a better way of putting it than it is just entertaining. Like you said, it's not lowbrow. It's not highbrow. It's just... It's something anybody can walk into and be able to appreciate the funny moment behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just... yeah. I never watched Parks and Rec, though. I... Okay, so... Parks and Rec, and for that matter, 30 Rock, are two great examples of a good show that nobody watched. But for some reason, everybody says they watched after the fact. Yeah, well, that's, that's, kinda, that's kind of like a it's Firefly like the, situation. Well, that's just it. Firefly pushing Daisy's just like, oh, I love that show. And it's just like, then why the hell weren't you watching it when I was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Suck it, bitch. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Fucking <laughs> hipster right here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, no, no, the hipster would go and say, yes, I was watching it before it was cool and all that stuff. I'm just like, I love television, I love cinema, I love good productions, I I just want to be entertained. That's my thing, and all those shows that I just mentioned were very, very good, and despite people going and saying, oh, well, the studio didn't want to go and support this, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, it's like, no, the real truth behind it is, Nobody was watching them. The only reason on why you had 30 Rock and Parks and Rec continuing to go on and on and on, because both of those had pretty good season counts by the end of it, was because at the time, for both of those shows, NBC was in the toilet. They were going and rounding out the bottom of the major networks. They didn't have anything else going for them, and they kept going and getting all of these you know, big accolades and nominations for these different awards. So it's like, oh, it's the show that you should be watching. You can't really pull the plug on something that wins all those Emmys, even though it's one of the lowest performing shows on the network. Plus their insistence on trying to go and keep the whole, oh, Thursday's our comedy night. It's been that way since Seinfeld when we were number one, and we continued on with Friends and Will and Grace and all that stuff, and then just, you guys stopped writing good. Hmm. And then you had those shows, which were really good, but yeah, Parks and Rec, it's gained more notoriety because, you know, we've got Star-Lord in it. Yeah. And now you have access to it on Netflix and Hulu. Yep. It's like, yeah, you can go and watch that stuff back through the streaming services, and it's good, and I think a lot of people have seen it now, but it's also like Arrested Development. It's like, when I was watching Arrested Development when it first came out, what a great show. This is really funny. I tried to get people to watch it. When season two came to an end and people were circulating petitions to get season three even made, it was like, I'm trying to go and talk to people. You know, they're doing reruns all summer. Watch it. Sign this petition. I promise. It's a fun show. You'll want to watch it. And nobody did. And it had a short run in season three. And then it was canceled. And then, like, ten years later, hey, here's Netflix coming in with a sort of original series with season four. Yeah. And maybe there's a movie coming. I don't know. They, seem, uh, they keep going and saying that it's coming. on. I thought it was another yeah, season coming. They, they, they can't seem to get it straight. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like season season four started off as a movie pitch on there, and then somehow or another they got it into a series, and then they said, "Okay, now we're gonna do a movie." And it's like, "Okay, we got everybody on board." Okay, no, now somebody's now somebody's out. Jeffrey Tambor's doing this thing over at Amazon. He's he's playing a transvestite, and it's really funny and interesting and a good show. Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay, now he's back. Oh, and we just lost Michael Sarah again. 
because he doesn't like the script. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's... It's just one of those things that... And I... I gotta love hate with this stuff because, in some respects, I would rather these shows end where they do instead of continuing to go on and on and on and the writers running out of ideas or new people coming in that have no idea on how to continue what they already had going and make it still accessible to the old audiences while bringing in new people. So many of these shows go too long and it's just like, they ruin themselves. You hate them by the time they're over. Mm. I wish the show like Motor City had continued mm. because, mm. god damn it, that show is good and the last two episodes, they go and throw a curveball at you that goes and helps to define the world better and opens up this big mystery that you almost never really thought to ask in the first place. And then, oh, well, it's over. Nothing more is going to come of it. But at least it ended on a really good note. Like, as much as I want more, I'm okay with the fact that it ended too early. Versus a show like... uh Adventure Time, a regular show, where I think both of them went on probably two seasons, maybe three seasons too long. You don't like Adventure Time? Oh no, I loved Adventure Time. It's just it went on. It too got long. a little. It got a little weird towards the end, like the last couple uh, of seasons. Not. I think they have one more really season. Heavy, but I think they're trying to. Round and I think it the off. show lost its initial charm. Because um, I liked the dark undertones that were built into it and all, but then the writing just got really belabored. And they started getting really experimental, but not in the amazing world of Gumball. It's good because it's insane and it acknowledges that fact way. Okay. Okay. Like, not saying that it's a bad show, but I think that if it had ended a couple of seasons sooner it probably would be in a better place. And I think probably, this is going to sound really weird, it'd probably still have reruns on Cartoon Network. Because I know we all hate Teen Titans Go! But at the same time, it has viewership. Adventure Time really started going down the tube when... God, I'm trying to remember who took overhead writing after uh, Rebecca Sugar left. Is it? Are you sure it's the writing or you think it's the, uh, the way they're airing it? Because it's always like, I, here's a bunch of episodes, then wait, 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 wait. Here's a bunch of episodes, wait, 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 wait. And it just like has such a I, random I that... timing for when it airs. Because like yeah. the most recent stuff I watched is actually, I like it. Because it actually is starting to give you lore in the world. Because like Adventure Time has been always, the world is what it is and there really isn't Every episode is very episodic, and you can just jump in there without having to be anything. And then occasionally, you'd have an episode or two. It's normally like season finale kind of stuff, where it would be across a couple episodes, and it would be very giving you lore, and it was all uh, exposition on the world itself. And it would give you tons and tons of lore, and then all of a sudden, it would be back to uh, just one-off episodes of stories that had really no relation stuff or it have relation stuff but you didn't realize it until later when it all kind of came together yeah no, I, I definitely get I, I get totally where you're coming from and honestly i think you're right on that side of things hey. but yeah here's the only thing that 
stands out for me, though, that makes me go and say that I think it has suffered recently. Hmm. And part of it is broadcast change on there. Because, unfortunately, and we've seen a lot of studios do this on where, oh, this show is successful. Oh, this following episode is successful. Oh, shit, this is a real hit. We're going and getting more viewership than we've ever had. Quick, let's just go and dump out the entire season on here and let's capitalize on this. Let's go and get as much uh, money out of this thing in advertising as we can on there. And we'll just go and push into production of later seasons just right off the bat so we can dump them all out. Well, eventually you hit that point of production lag that happens. And then you end up in a situation like with uh, Steven Universe where... Oh, had they done the, had they done the regular process for it, yeah, it probably would have been fine. But because it was so successful so early, and they tried to dump out too many episodes all at once, we found ourselves in a situation where the only way that they seem to be able to do it now is doing these, you know, as Tumblr's referred to them, the Steven bombs. Yeah, yeah, where they just go and dump out a whole bunch of episodes in one week, and then okay, it'll be six months before we see any more. They're they are also equally as bad for that. So oh god, no, they are that that is the absolute worst yeah. right there. Yeah, it's like because normally I'm I'm watching things, and all of a sudden I'm here like oh, Steven Universe. Oh, there's like a bunch of new episodes. I'll start watching it, and then I'll catch up, and then you won't hear anything for a while. So yeah. But like, uh, they're good. Here we go. Here we go. I, I found it. I found oh, it. Okay. Oh, so oh. my, <laughs> yeah. This, this is one of those things. So uh, Jesse Moynihan. I knew I. As <laughs> soon as I saw the name, it's just like okay. There we go. So Moynihan took over as one of the creative producers and writers on the show, and he's since written most of the, quote unquote, big episodes. The ones where they are doing more of the world building stuff. Before that was being done by Rebecca Sugar, who, you know, left to go and do Steven Universe. Everybody knows her name now. Uh, and I love her, and I wish that she had come back, or that she hadn't left for that reason, because Adventure Time definitely has suffered as a result of that. Uh, starting with the episode Breezy, which I still stand by might be the worst episode of the series. Oh, what was episode Breezy about? Uh, so that was after uh, Finn had lost his arm. Oh, and it's like yeah. We we've seen all of these moments, you know, either future shots or foreshadowing that one of these days he's going to go and lose his arm. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, okay, this is this is interesting here. And a couple of episodes beforehand, you know, we've done the Escape the Citadel episode, uh, Billy's bucket list, all that stuff, uh, with the Lich showing back up again. It's like okay, this is really cool. And then we go and see Finn lose his arm. And we're starting to go and see him going through some emotional struggles, which are some of the best episodes of the series. Because it's more than just the wild visuals on there. It's going and showing this darker side of the show, as well as the great character writing that the show was capable of. Then they introduce this B and this friendship with Finn, and it's just really awkward. And then, oh, Finn's got his arm back at the end. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Well, that it's like that, that, that developed into uh, what, like the leaf fin and just a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Maybe I'm just really pissed at ep- or at season six. Maybe that's what my problem is. Maybe, maybe I'm just because that was not a good season. I'm standing by that one. That episode, dentist. 
What was that? <laughs> uh, I really should not be so offended by this, but I, I, I am. I just, season six was bad. And there's definitely been some good stuff since, like, uh, season seven's uh, stakes miniseries, that eight part one with uh, the origin of Marceline and all that, you know, her current state and all. It's just, oh, that was good. That was really good. Well, that's what I mean. It's like there's a lot of episodes that, like, it's kind of like filler, filler, filler. Here's a bunch of lore about, like, the backstory of someone. Filler, filler, yeah. filler. And, I don't know. It's, I enjoy watching it. Um, they're I, not... It's not like they're long episodes to watch or anything. It's not like a whole lot of time given out to it. Because they're all 15-minute uh, episodes, so... I, 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 what do you yeah. call those? Those are mm-hmm. so, uh, they they have a name. They're like sub sub episodes, or mm-hmm. I want to call them sub series. Uh, there, there's a couple of there's a couple of different names that I've seen floated around. I, I like uh, half block episodes, where it's part of a thirty day time slot, but it's only half of the block. Hmm. So that's the oldest one that I'm familiar with. I don't know if they still use that term, but that's how they used to refer to. Uh, uh, shows like uh, Powerpuff Girls when they were doing the uh, 15 minute episode stuff. The original Powerpuff Girls, <laughs> not to be confused with 2016. We've all heard, we've all heard my very strong opinions on that uh, dumpster fire. Is that technically a reboot or is it a continuation? That's the problem. Is that nobody can fucking define it? Originally, they were calling it a reboot, but then they don't do anything to go and establish all of these other characters that existed previously. The girls are older; they're no longer in the preschool class anymore. It's like what? Because <sighs> I thought it was technically like a new season. Like uh, that's what I remember when Powerpuff Girls came out. It was just like new season Powerpuff Girls, not. Reboot of Powerpuff Girls, new season of Powerpuff Girls. So, as in yeah. a continuation, or it's yeah, it's just tied basically. Yeah, no, they they can't seem to go and get it straight because the advertising was confused on that point. They go and call it a reboot when you're going and looking at uh, uh, Turner Broadcasting's you know dossier on the series, you know, with their whole market statement and all that for advertisers. They went and pit, or they went and said that it was a reboot when they went and hired the three new voice actresses to go and play uh, the Powerpuff Girls. Then they got really murky on that when they went and brought back in Tom Kenny and everybody else because apparently they wanted everybody but the original voice cast for the three Powerpuff Girls. I still don't understand that whole mess. I I don't know if they brought everybody else in because they thought, oh, okay, this is our way of getting away from the controversy of. We didn't bring back Tara Strong or the other two. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. It's like a deer. And that it's is like, exactly what? what I was thinking. It's like, <laughs> it's just, I remember Tara Strong being Bubbles, and I don't remember the other two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't remember their names. They, they, they were not as successful as Tara Strong. And even that I find to be somewhat of a questionable statement, because she just is the cheapest voice actress on the planet. Yeah, you know, but ever knows her name. Like, I know Tara Strong. Yeah, no, it, that, that's just it. You know what? I'll give her credit. While I can always tell it's her, she clearly goes and puts effort into going and giving it a good performance every time. It's like... She's extremely consistent. Either, either you're a super famous voice actor or you're not known at all. So I know Tara Strong. 
I know Vic Mignana. I know Matt mm-hmm. Mercer. Uh, oh, shit, what's that one guy's name? There's that one Johnny guy. Johnny Bosch. <laughs> uh, see, I don't know John. Like, I know he's a voice actor, but I don't know him as a voice actor. I know him as the Black Power Ranger. That's interesting. I'm thinking yeah. of... God, what's his name? Uh, he was always in a bunch of stuff. Uh, I will find his name. It was. You think of like Corey Burton, maybe? Uh, he was always in a bunch of dubs and animated series. Christopher Sabat. David Hayter. John DiMaggio. Oh, I'm gonna find it. Uh, oh, uh, Jason Mar Marsden. Jason Marsden? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that one. Yeah, that's the other guy that I just I recognize his voice instantly, and so I think of him in being lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, I, I I could name maybe twenty voice actors off the top of my head i can't even do that yeah it's like that's that's all that i could go and give you there quite honestly and you could definitely tell there are some that just do not charge anything for the roles they do because uh, they'll even go and pick up just background roles and it's just like oh i wonder hey, if it's the fact know. like well because they these kind of people have to be oh what is is oh no is there a voice actor guild I don't think so. I think that's the big that's a I think it's a big thing right now is like there's really easy to make voice actors not get paid enough. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they're cheap, it's that there isn't really a there's no good representation for them, yeah. I'll say that much. Yeah. Cuz there are like SAG actors like there I know there is like a union because there are union jobs and there's non-union jobs. And union jobs pay a certain amount because it's done through union, and then there's non-union jobs. So you'll... There's, like... That's why you always hear a bunch of voice actors who you recognize through a bunch of different things because they're, like, union unionized. Um, but they're... And because of that, and it's like, why, why pay someone you don't know when you can just pay this person you do know who's in the union so you tend to hear a lot of the same voice actors doing the same stuff all the time because they're known to be able to do the job so when they try and find a voice actor they're like i'll just get this person who is already qualified so i don't have to spend my money on someone who might not be qualified yeah there's definitely that part of things and i mean it's I don't know, I part of this, and, you know, we'll try to go and avoid the Weinstein thing if we can here, but, I mean, there is a bit of a Hollywood cabal when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Because certain people do certainly seem to go and get promoted a lot more, and it seems like they kind of go in uh, cycles here. Yeah. It's... And I'm not saying anything bad about the people that are involved, but it's very clear that there is... It's part of the business. Of affinity for... it's... Well, that's just it. Yeah, no, I mean... that. They're always going for the people that they know can go and gross well. They are very hesitant to go and ever go and try somebody new. And the avenues to go and become, you know, anything in this industry 
unfortunately seems to more often than not go and involve rather dubious things rather than actual merit and talent. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think it's kind of sad, especially for voice actors, because, I mean, at least for us who are, you know, big gamers and have played a lot of great games, we know that there are a lot of good voice actors out there. But how many times have we seen where you go and have somebody, like, I don't know anybody that knows who the voice actor for Garrus Vakarian is. <laughs> Every woman loves him. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who the hell it is. But God help you, everybody knows Jennifer Hale is the voice of Femship. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah that- yep, there's that title ca- There's that title character, and I can't say that there's anything wrong with her performing or Matt Mercer going and doing you know, Male Shepherd on there. They're two people you know, but that supporting cast was every bit as good as they were. And I don't know who the hell half the people were. And that's that is the life of a voice actor, really. Is yeah, you throw well, I your think voice it's the life there. of an actor, quite honestly. I, no, I have to say, an actor and a voice actor are different. I, I, I think that there are definitely differences, but I mean, how many times have you gone and seen a movie where it's just like, oh, hey, this this sidekick was kind of fun, and then you never see him in anything ever again? But the leading actor just gets dumped into absolutely every movie that's made for the next five years. Oh, there's there are side characters that you definitely see all the time that you know their names of. So, uh, like, think of every all the Adam Sandler's uh, Adam Sandler uh, slash what do you call that uh, Seth Rogen kind of films. Uh, there's there's a bunch of characters in there that like eventually became they were side characters, but then you kind of got to know them, and then they became sort of they got their own movies and stuff, like Jonah Hill or uh, 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 I can never uh, pronounce his last name. Um, Baruchel, Baruchel, yes, there yeah, Jay Baruchel, yeah, yeah. Although he was. Uh, that's a Jay Baruchel is one that I know a lot of people bring up, but it's like I was watching him on Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, in the nineties, like he he worked his way through the industry and got there. I can almost say the same for uh, um, uh, oh, why, why can't I say his name? He's got a like a three named name. Uh, he was on Popular Mechanics for Kids. Uh, oh man, I'm blanking. I'm blanking, and I know him. He was in Looper. God damn it. <laughs> Say his name, <laughs> You gotta know it. I'm trying to think about who you're talking about. Uh, like, he was in. Oh, uh, wait, wait, Joseph Gordon. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Is that who yes. you're talking about? Wait, wait. No, <laughs> it was Jay Baruchel who was on Proper Mechanics for Kids. Uh, yeah, it's like, wait, what are you talking uh, about? Joseph Gordon Levitt like, was I'd... on uh, Third Rock from the Sun. There we go. Yeah, no, that's that's what was weird to be out there. It's just like, wait, are you confusing people? I'm just, I, I had to look up Looper because I couldn't even remember the movie initially on there. So it's like, oh, right, the one with Bruce Willis said, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what, did you not remember Looper? Looper was a great movie. I, I had forgotten initially. I had forgotten initially. It's a movie that I watched in theaters and haven't watched since. No, so. I liked it. It was a good yeah. movie. I... I, I I would recommend that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that movie did it for me. Have you have you watched Thor? Yes, yes, I have. What did you? I assume you're talking about Ragnarok. Yes, <laughs> yes, I am talking about Ragnarok. What? I... What did you think about that? 
So <laughs> long pause. I, yeah, no, this. I'm trying to formulate this right because I've been threatened with my life for my opinions on the first two Thor movies, which I stand by or stand by were fucking bullshit. See, that's that's so, that actually that's very relevant to what I want to kind of refer to as the uh, third Thor movie because I have to say it was almost a complete twist from the other Thor movies. That's it was in many respects because I, I got to make this point. It was the Thor movie that I wanted the first one to be. Mm, okay, it was a wild epic adventure that quite honestly has absolutely nothing to do with anything else we've been watching <laughs> no no, like the, no. The, fir- the first Thor movie serves for only two purposes on there the first is to introduce Thor yep. because he's a title Avengers character and that's basically all that we got out of that one in terms of Thor in any respect yep. just generic story lackluster personality there were some good moments for him but they didn't give us enough to grab onto. he was still very much a blank slate in many respects mm-hmm. and i would make the argument that avengers did nothing to go and develop him either uh just like he's this i you know it did no no I, no i okay because i wouldn't use the word developed i used the word uh Define or anchor? Okay, I'll I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. That's that's a good way of looking at it. Solidify. Yeah. Yeah. yeah solidify. There we go. Yeah. The, yeah. That's yeah. That, those that's are... a solid. That's solid wording. Because the other thing that it served to go and do was to introduce Loki, who is the main antagonist of Aven- her of Avengers. Yeah. And I'm still standing by. What the fuck was he even doing? In Avengers or? Yeah, in Avengers in particular, because just the Thanos connection. It's like, initially, when I saw it in theaters, I was like, okay, that was good. That was well thought out. And then the next time I watched it back, which was still while it was in theaters, I came to this realization. What the hell was Thanos' actual goal in doing that? God. You know, in opening up the bridge and invading Earth? It's like... I... I... Isn't he just... You know, he sent, he sent Loki out with an Infinity Stone. Yeah. Which apparently we're led now to believe that he's collecting. So why did you go and trust somebody who is clearly not trustworthy with one of these? To give it to him? Yeah. Well, yeah I, exactly. I can only assume that maybe eventually then, you just take it back through force. I, I'd assume so, but it's like, why? What was the point of this? Because the other thing as well is that there was no... There was nothing establishing that there was another infinity stone there and even though there was another one on earth it's like well that was never defined no it just felt like something that was more tacked in for the sake of you know cardinal sin number two aka thor two we need to go and do something with natalie portman that goes and justifies on how much we're paying her for this role that we did not go and write well for her yeah because she is a great actress and then she's a really good actress, but uh, then those movies come out and they have wrecked her portfolio. Uh, she is worth nothing now. Uh, I don't think it was those movies that did that. I because like she was riding a high after V for Vendetta. Yeah, and then the first Thor movie came out, 
and several movies that she was tied to go and uh, star in fell apart. Hmm. And then Thor 2 comes along, and it's like, ooh, she's... It's rare that you go and see somebody who is Oscar-nominated that is worth less than most upstarts. Oh. That is Natalie Portman today. Wow. <laughs> I guess I don't really yeah. see her in anything else. Yeah, no, that's that's the problem right there. Yeah. Uh, which leads me to my favorite part of Thor 3. Not even in Where it. is she? <laughs> they, they have... <laughs> and then they the, do the, the most... one thing where they throw in one line to explain why she's not in that movie, and it just... That's it. And then you're like, oh, I'm not okay. even joking. I was in the theater. <laughs> I was in the theater. Okay. Preview night. So, I mean, these are guys that are going to be writing reviews. Okay. <laughs> and I won't say what the line is, because I can't do it justice, but they basically explain what happened to Jane Foster. And I'm not joking. There were like four guys randomly throughout the theater that were just clapping and applauding <laughs> hmm. when that happened. It's like, oh my god, that's oh, that's bad. Yeah, like everybody was laughing, and I can't tell if they were laughing at the movie or laughing at those guys. Yeah, because it was great. Huh. But yeah, no, that's yeah, it's. It's just such a weird thing because, I like I said, I've been threatened because I haven't liked the other two Thor movies. Not that they haven't had some good moments. I would certainly say they've had those. But the third one I, is the worst Marv- or Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. The third one? No, the first one. The first one, yeah. I, the first one is definitely the worst. I have, to, I have to say the first and second one... Oh, God, the second one, most definitely. They're... Uh, mostly exposition yeah they are all about like the second one that's the first and last time you see uh one of the affinity affinity stones it's like they needed a they need all eight eight of them eight of them um so it's just like they've been dealing with the tesseract for the entire time and then the second comes out and they're like oh yeah there's one more here's the second affinity stone it's in it's dealt in that in that movie, then it's out, and that's it. That's the only time you see it. And then, with the newest uh, Civil War and such, then they're like, "Oh, here's the third one. It was actually in the other ones. You just didn't know it, but here it is. And now we put it into a person, and that's Vision. So they're like, "Yeah." The second Thor movie is almost its own standalone movie. That very doesn't even like cross into the other ones the only thing that really crosses is the fact that thor is in it but other yeah, than that no and that yeah it's it's weird to me because in some respects had it been the first thor movie like had they just thrown us in we didn't need you know him losing his hammer losing his powers and all that stuff it's just like okay that the hero's journey here this is the most played out version of it possible mm-hmm. that was thor one mm-hmm. and it was just predictable at all points and God, the first one. There's no action in the first one. No, there isn't. It <laughs> All of the action is Thor with no powers trying to get to his hammer yeah. and going and playing up Hawkeye, who I'm still not entirely sure is necessary in this. As much as I like Jeremy Renner, I still I don't know why you're here. Yeah, I guess that's where he, they introduced him, though. Like, that's the only point. Oh, and point. they played it up like crazy that this is where Hawkeye was coming in. Because he is a fan favorite. Now. Like... I I would stand by. He was still a fan favorite, but 
I think I think it's I, I think know. it's that, Civil War where like he really became the character I, people love because it's the character C- Civil War no uh, Avengers Age of Ultron Age of Ultron yes yeah no they they actually gave him a personality and justified his existence a relatable personality exactly and actually I would <laughs> I'm gonna say something here so, just because you said that I think that people accepted him in Age of Ultron but I actually think that he's become a favorite because of Civil War because he's the guy that finally went and told Stark to go and shut the fuck up basically I guess yeah that, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no that he stole that show like he's not even a title character in that movie yeah and he stole the show in every scene because he was the one going and speaking the fucking common sense yeah that, that's that's his character now. Is he's the yeah, exactly. relatable guy. He's the guy yeah. who, in the situation, everyone else in the audience would be saying, "It's like because yeah. he doesn't have the superpowers. He just shoots a bow, which isn't even a gun, um, which mm-hmm. is more powerful. So it's just like he's just a dude in the situation, and he's dealing it with the best he can. So yeah, yeah. No, that's just it. That, that's that's an example and. You know, the Avengers 2, take it or leave it. It's not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. I actually kind of feel the same way about the first one. But the first one was at least a new experience. So it gets... I give that one more of a pass than Avengers 2 where they just uh, didn't I don't know. do a lot. I, 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 I think... I, I, I watch Avengers 1 and 2 and I think they're still fantastic movies. They're good. I and I put them firmly in the good category. Yeah. And just because... Yeah. They're mm-hmm. very defining of these movies. So I got to say that, so yeah. When Avengers 1 came out and Avengers 2, it made this concept of this a movie can be equally a comedy and an action. Hmm? So like movies were always like this is an action movie. This is a comedy movie. Avengers came out and was like it's both. It's there's but some really it's a funny jokes in there. Yes. It's, there's oh, yeah. Really funny jokes in there. Like I'll laugh through that movie, but then there's some really, really good action in those movies, and that has sort of become a staple for a very successful movie. So that's why um, I'm, I'm going to go on a rant here. If you watch Men in Black Three, it did mm-hmm. the exact same thing, where it was this is borderline comedy where there's lots of lines in there that are very hilarious but it's still action flick where there is action and consequences and drama and suspense um, and explosions and fighting so it's kind of both and then almost was it it's almost the you kind of have the Marvel Cinematic Universe split a little bit where things that happen on earth are a little bit more serious and consequential. Things that happen outside in space are more funny, but also just more weird. So that's what I want to say about the newest Thor movie, is it's weird. There's a lot of weird stuff in it. And I feel like it was actually um, Guardians of Galaxy that kind of define that because Guardians of the Galaxy was the first one that was not set on Earth. It was set in space and it was 
very funny, more on the comedic side, more than the action side, and it was trying to say space outside Earth is weird. There's a lot of yeah. weird stuff. Tyler, you have just hit on something I was talking to a friend about the other day. Yeah. Because we were talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe slate mm-hmm. of all the movies, and we were just kind of going break it down. We were actually trying to go and figure out, you know, just ranking in order what are the best films in the MCU. And we had a really hard time because we were trying to go and figure out, well, what is objectively just basing all these elements of cinema? Which ones are the best? And then we were talking about, yeah, but most of the ones that are the best aren't my favorites either. And that's when we kind of realized that, you know, the movies where they've had to do the most work to build the world are our favorite films. Whether it's Guardians of the Galaxy, whether it's Thor Ragnarok, uh, the first Iron Man, uh, and, you know, Ant-Man, which is still just one of the most insane things. (laughs) The amount of work that went into defining the world clearly carried over into every other element of it versus you have some of these movies that I think we're trying to be too grounded or maybe go and get a little bit too heavy into subjects and materials that they weren't willing to spend as much time developing were sometimes the better films as a whole but not as fun and entertaining well the only the only one that we found that we agreed on was at the top of the list was Captain America the Winter Soldier okay yeah because that one definitely had not as many funny moments but the few that they had in there were very good the writing was fantastic and they did do some world building in there. They needed to go and define S.H.I.E.L.D. beyond just this, you know, shadowy organization that we'd really known them as beforehand. You know, the Avengers and bringing everything out into the spotlight uh, changed a lot there. And then you had this movie where they had to go and redefine S.H.I.E.L.D. and on how the public would view it and all. And part of that also played into Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show it and did. all that. There was clearly more going on. Yep. But it did such a good job of that and it was entertaining but yeah the rest of them are these more weird films and some of the weird films actually have some better drama quite honestly Guardians of the Galaxy 2 I'm not gonna go and spoil anything cause it's still within this year of release but damn that has some heavy shit in it it does but like and it's it's good it, yeah I, I gotta yeah. bring up a character Go for it. The character, Korg. Yes. And, like, you think of the the other two movies of Thor had no character like that at all. But then the third Thor movie, they throw in a character like Korg. They throw in Loki and Thor's dynamic, which they sort of dabbled with in the second Thor movie. Um, Not a whole lot, but, like, if you've seen the spaceship uh, it's the ship scene from Thor mm-hmm. 2 you kind of understand the dynamic with them and like the, the kind of humor they're going with now think of that, about that one scene and just make it the entire movie and it's just like <laughs> it is just all way more humor and situational comedy than anything where they're put into a situation and they deal with it the way they do, and most of their lines are very humorous. Like, 
I'm trying to think of every every part of that the newest movie. Everything he kind of says is just taken almost comically. Like there's no super serious point I can think of. Oh god, no! There is no serious point to that. Like there is the only serious points I can think of is like Odin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's pretty much it. Like I can only think of Odin. Because even then, they have like the uh, they have Doctor Strange in there, and all that yeah. scenes are just also really comical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just like yeah, no, it's, I you, I can only think of a few moments that were really dramatic. To your point, because you had that, you had Idris Elba's character, his sub story was definitely on the dramatic side. And you know, that interlaces to everything with Thor and all that stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think. And then Hela's character as a whole was the drama of the show, or was the drama of the movie. And it's weird because the actual interactions between were not what I expected it to be based on the trailers. Like this movie actually surprised me with the role of Hela in the movie. Really? How so? And I, I. Okay, okay, so we're going to get a little bit spoilery here, people, so... Uh, okay. Well, yeah, you're, you've, you've been warned. You should really just go out to the theater and see it like everybody else has, because yeah. if you haven't seen it at this point, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, like, Rob gives this the seal of approval. This is the Thor movie that I actually will endorse and say to go and see. Well, we're nearing... Just go see we're, it right now. We're nearing the end, so I think this is the last little chunk that is just going to be spoilers and... Yeah, we'll okay, yeah, no, let's, let's just go for it. Okay, okay. So... First things first, before I get into this, I want to give a lot of credit to the trailer house that did uh, the trailer for this movie. Yeah. Because it was different than what I was expecting it to be. Yes. How Thor found himself on Sakaar. Mm-hmm. Way different than what I thought we were going for. I thought that they had basically given us the story in the initial trailers. That's the reason why I wasn't that excited about it, quite honestly. Ah, I thought cuz I thought the movie that we were going to be going and getting is uh Odin is still missing mm-hmm. cuz Thor 2 Loki's going and pulling his bullshit which okay I'm sorry I got to get this out of the way. Oh my god, Anthony Hopkins is an amazing actor. He is. Him playing Loki playing Odin <laughs> was one of the funniest things. He is. He is. I've seen actor. it a long yeah. time. It's, oh shit. <laughs> Oh, that was great. Uh, but I thought Odin is missing. Loki clearly doesn't have the power to go and protect that realm. Hela goes and returns, and we don't know who she is. I just figured she was going to be another... Because this is one of my big criticisms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The villains have not been great. Like, there's just not a lot of great villains in there so far. Yeah, the the hero characters are always going and defining the moments and all that stuff, but uh, from Stain in the first Iron Man all the way through to... Well, actually, no, I'll give... Uh, let's see here. I'll go and say up through Ant-Man. They haven't really had a great villain other than Loki. Like, Whiplash, eh, that was nothing. Um, God, what the hell was the name of the character in... Uh, in the Incredible Hulk movie. 
Oh, uh, I don't really know. I I don't know which ones are defined as being part of it because there was the general. Yeah, the the general and the one that became the uh, abomination. That yeah. was the name of that that thing. Um, and that was, and I still stand by that's. It's not a fantastic movie, but it's still good. It was sort of before that movie came out. Before they had the idea for a cinematic universe, because it it just sort of came well, out, and then they just tacked it on. Well, they, but they they, it, it's that's at the weird point where Marvel. The reason why they did Iron Man, they leveraged all of the characters that they owned. Because the company was going out of business, yep. essentially. Like, yep. this is our last chance. And thankfully, it ended up being a success. And, yeah, the Avengers thing, they went and did that little stinger at the end with Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. They did that as a way of going and trying to get interest. Because that was a thing when you weren't sure that a movie was going to be successful. Okay, tease another movie. Yes. That's how they did it. Now they're known for it. So, yeah, exactly. So, they did that. And it's like, okay, this was actually a really big hit. We need to do another one of these. What's the her? Uh, what's another property that is worth basically nothing that we can go and work off of here? And they still had a lot of stuff from the 20th Century Fox Ang Lee Hulk movie from 2004. So they still had a lot of assets left over from that. It was like, okay, let's try doing something with this. This will be our cheap movie. Let's see if we can go and do the same thing. And while it wasn't as successful as Iron Man, it still made a good chunk of money on there. It's like, okay, people are pretty receptive to this. It's not the best critically acclaimed, but audiences are really into this. They're asking for more. Wait, did the Hulk come out after Iron Man? It did, yes. Really? The Incredible Hulk did. Not to be confused with Hulk 2004. That's what I mean. Yeah, because there was multiple Hulk movies that came out. Uh, yeah, don't yeah. worry. The, the Ang Lee Hulk, the one that sucked ass and had the weird weird comic book cutting situation there. Because there was the first Hulk that actually, like, defined how he got the problem. Like, how it was, like, the origin story. Yeah. And then there's the second Hulk movie that came out that it was already... Yeah. It wasn't an origin story, which I did like. Yeah. But I knew they yeah, were related. Yeah, that was the Incredible Hulk. And that was the... You know, now what we call the MCU version. Yeah, but it was... Because the Ang Lee Hulk was a whole different production company, whole different studio. But, you know, Marvel goes and retains production rights on that stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Yeah, because like, that was one... Yeah. Uh, was it, uh... Oh, it's Thunderbolt Ross? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. General Ross. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, yeah, it... Not a good villain in that one. Whiplash, not a good one. Uh, trying to go and think. Whiplash. Which, he was the he was the guy in Iron Man two. Just oh, you know, yeah. going back to the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, I think that was before they were starting to figure out a well, MCU. They they had decided they were doing it at that point, but yeah, I think they were still developing the idea. You know, that's that's why they introduced, you know, Black Widow as a character on there. It's like, okay, eventually we're going to use her. Yes. Still waiting, guys. Well, I shouldn't say that, no. We, we got that in Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War. Like, they, they finally utilized her well in those movies. Yeah. The rest of them... Huh? Like, I like Scarlett Johansson, but I still stand by... Natasha Romanoff is not a great character the way that they've done her. Especially not the way that I think they basically destroyed her with... Uh, with Age of Ultron. What? Giving her... But, 
levels <laughs> or emotions. <laughs> so I'm I'm just gonna throw this out here, and I mean we'll get we'll get to the spoilerific uh, Thor stuff here in a second. Oh boy! But yeah, I know, I know. We're we're it's gonna be one of these podcast people. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, we are we're having fun doing this. So I mean, why the hell stop? Um, but her character, they introduce her in Iron Man two, and it's like. I knew who Black Widow was as a character, but, uh, yeah, I actually didn't realize that that was who that character was supposed to be in that movie. Like, that was as far from Natasha Romanoff as I thought possible on there. Then we went and had uh, Avengers come out, and... She was one of the three characters that they, I don't think, knew what to do with, quite honestly. Hmm. Just in the script writing. Yeah, yeah, I can Because I'd make the... Yeah, exactly. Because, honestly, if you had cut her and Hawkeye out of the movie, it would have made no difference to the entirety of the film. Like, their stories were self-contained within themselves. Those characters only mattered to themselves. Yeah. But they, yeah, they later developed them to be the. They, they did later characters. develop them because they're the ones. Yeah, they later developed them, but at that point, uh, they, it was like they were just trying to fill out a cast, and it's like we we don't really care about anything other than the guy in green, the guy in blue, the guy in red. <laughs> it's like we we care about the Avengers characters. We don't care about the Peanut Gallery. See, I wonder about that. I wonder if it was them just filling it out and putting extra people in there or if they were like no we'll we'll develop them well, they're they're they, side they characters for now but they can be developed eventually i at least in the case of uh romanov well i think they did have bigger plans for her eventually introducing her so early in iron man 2 uh joss whedon has said that he did not want her that he wanted the wasp in the movie instead, but Marvel wouldn't let him introduce a new character for that film. Ah. Okay. Which ultimately I think is a good thing because I think we've gotten a much better start with the Ant-Man and then, you know, the sequel that's coming out, Ant-Man and Wasp. I think that that's going to be a much better start for her character. Yes. Than what we go and get introducing her into a situation like that that I think would be probably too chaotic. But, yeah, I mean, it's... It seems pretty clear that, at least in the case of her in that movie, she wasn't intended to be used as a major part when they first introduced her. And they had to do something just to go and fill out the roster. Because it's like, okay, we we got like four guys here. <laughs> yeah. That's all we got. Yeah. This is so experimental. We're still trying things at this point. They are. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And that's something I really appreciated. Yeah, exactly. Because Hawkeye was also really underwhelming at that point yes also not and, very, very developed it was very yeah well he, yeah the only thing we knew about him was they the only thing we knew about him is that he was cocky and a bit of a jackass from thor and well i appreciated that eh, it's not much to go off of no it is very two-dimensional yeah. characters but like yeah I, like i wonder if yeah. they had them and they're thinking we can define these characters later let's just have them for now introduce them now yeah. so you can define them later Opposed to introducing them later and then making them get carried about instantly, or yeah, because like the, I, I, I think that's the approach they ultimately took. But yeah, it wasn't what they intended to do at first. 
And then you have the unfortunate number three, and the real reason why I'm bringing this up here, Bruce Bannon. Because mm-hmm. while everybody likes Hulk, Bruce has had kind of a hard time so far. Because we've now had three actors playing him. Mark Ruffalo was brought in really without... I. I I feel he, in some respects, has gotten the shaft with some of the previous movies because he really was just thrown into this role. And I think that he had a lot to do with very little. Because that entire Avengers movie, is there a character worse than him in there? Like, just in terms of the actual writing and interest? Uh, well... I think that's supposed to be, like, it's hard to say if there's a character worse or better. Because, like, I feel like what he is is actually a very, uh, you understand what he is. Like, his character's easily defined? Yes and no. Because, like, this is a character that should be really easy to get from moment number one. Like, this is a guy like he is, that though. is instructed. Because he's really smart, but then he's super anxious and awkward. And like... But they don't really give him that in the movie, though. And that's the problem, is that we go and see him in South America when Romanoff goes and, you know, confronts him and goes and drags him along. And it's like he's being both timid and too confident all at the same time. Like, really, watch that scene back. It's really awkward watching it. Because it's like he doesn't have very clear direction for how he's supposed to be. You know, he knows that there's people outside. And he knows he's probably going to snap and turn green and hurt these people. But at the same time, he's intimidating this character in Natasha Romanoff that's supposed to be... You know, this ultimate badass, you know... The former assassin, it's like, it's it's very awkward, and then you have him on the helicarrier, and there's a good funny moment with him, it's just like, you know, might as well be in a sub, you know, you got this giant green monster that's gonna go and, you know, smash everything up on the inside, so it's like, oh yeah, this is great, just go and lock everybody up with this guy. Hmm. Yeah. And then you have him later on in the movie, and it's like, hey, I wanna like you guys. I, I want to be part of the team. Yay. Yeah. It's just, they didn't do a good job with his writing. And Mark Ruffalo is a great actor. But the writing for that character wasn't good. And then that led to Avengers 2. And I stand by, I think Joss Whedon is a very thin-skinned director. Because what did they do in Avengers 2? It seemed like they overcompensated for everything that was criticized about the first one. And I know I'm probably sounding like I'm harping on the first one a lot. I'm really not trying to. I really like that movie, and it was experimental. Those flaws are natural. You're going to go and have these little things when you're trying something that we've never seen before. The only thing that comes close to this were the old Universal Monster movies, and most of those were, you know, for the most part, pretty much B-movies the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't something that were supposed to be huge blockbuster successes. You know, they were the alternative to when you had gone with the wind in theaters. Mm -hmm. 
and they were good for that. Avengers was going for a very different perspective. They were going for, this is the blockbuster. This is going to be the biggest movie of the summer. Yep. So when you had that first one, it had these little flaws. It's like, okay, you guys can go and you know tweak it a little bit. You can improve on this. But instead, they decided to go and overcompensate on everything when it came to the next movie. It's like, okay, we're going to go and introduce Banner as... Well, okay, yes, you're a biological scientist. You understand this stuff really well. But developing an AI system like that, why? This just feels really awkward. And you don't know how to write a character like that. Like, this is the guy that did Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He knows how to go and do guys like Giles. He's good. Somebody like Bruce Banner, who's supposed to be that smart, if you're going to write a technical element for that, you need to either go and have him actually be that smart, or you need to go in the route that they've gone with Tony Stark, where, yes, he's the smartest guy in the room, and he doesn't need to explain what he's doing most of the time. So they're trying to go and do that. They go and do the forced romance thing with Romanoff, which now seems to establish in that movie that her primary... Uh, her primary character trait is girl. Yeah. Yeah. And then, admittedly, they got it entirely right with what they did with Hawkeye. Because, yes, okay, you guys... You have made that character work. You gave him a good backstory. You gave him a reason for fighting. You gave him purpose. And that works. And it shows him as a real heart of the group. And that plays into what they did in Civil War, where he is, in some respects, the heart of the team. So, kudos where that one is. But the three things that were criticized the most about the first movie were way overcompensated on two of them. And the third one, though, I think they got it right. I also think it could have been a bit of a shorter scene, but, you know, I'm not going to criticize that one too much. Because, once again, they got that part right. Hmm. So, the reason why I have to go on that little diatribe there is we're going and looking at the villains this time around. We're looking at the supporting cast this time around. And the trailer made it look like you had Hela, who was returning... Asgard gets wiped out. Thor, somehow or another, finds himself on this other world. He's forced to go and fight in a gladiator pit. He meets the Hulk. He comes back. And the two of them triumphantly go and fight with Loki and go and kick Hela's ass and go and take back Asgard. Awesome. But kind of a predictable plot. You know, based on that trailer, you would think that that's the way it works. Yep. But, nope, they threw me a curveball right from the get-go. Thor tied up, talking to what is essentially <laughs> Satan. Un- <laughs> yes, and like Satan uncapped, just oh my god, Surtur. That's uh, that's the thing. I, is like, like right from the get go, it was a comedy. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> it knew what it wanted to be right from the get go. Yeah, and I love it for it. Yeah, I have no regrets about what I saw right from that first moment. It was. Super fun. I know everybody's saying this, but it really is heavy metal fantasy album covers the movie. Just every fight scene, you could go and take a screen cap from it, go and oil paint it, and you could slap that on an LP cover. It's just, oh. Well, the the sheer fact that they're playing uh, um, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. No, it's just... Yeah, The soundtrack was really good for the movie. The The whole score that they were doing was great on there. 
And Hela's character surprised me because we go and find out that in this world, it's Thor's sister, the firstborn Mm -hmm. to Odin. Mm -hmm. Which automatically should go and set up good drama by itself. But she's a character that really doesn't care about her brothers. She doesn't really seem to go and care all that much about uh, anything that's happened. She's angry because she had aspirations that her father squelched. And she wants to go back to the past that she was ripped out of. And she's trying to go and change the entire world that way. She's super powerful. She's only getting stronger as the movie goes along. Which is just a great uh, writing element to go and play off of. But it also goes and makes for something kind of interesting. Because we go and see you know, the true history of Asgard. They finally go and give us more of this world. They give us more of why Odin is this feared and revered character. And it gives us something that we were missing from the other Thor movies, which is... I hate to say this, but actual fucking emotion. <laughs> <laughs> Reasons to care, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because hmm. Thor's journey in this one is what we needed in the first. The reason why at the beginning I said I gotta be careful with my words, because I don't think that this is... You're seeing a lot of hype with this one. Like, this is the best Marvel movie. I've seen that on multiple reviews. And I'll stand by, it's not, but it is one of the most entertaining, and it does get the best elements of so many of the other films. This is a movie that, if this had been Thor 1, it would be the best origin story for any of the Marvel movies that have come out. I don't know. Because it was funny, there was great action, and the characters were all well-written, and the plot was well-defined. It was. But, like, it feels like this kind of movie would not have come around until Guardians of the Galaxy came around. Oh, I totally agree. No, this would not happen if it wasn't for Guardians of the Galaxy. And... In some respects, I think that we have Guardians of the Galaxy to thank for the fact that we now have the Russo brothers being more the creative head directors of this project and why Joss Whedon is out at this point. Well, I like Joss Whedon for his TV series stuff. I've never seen him as a good movie director. And while the first two Avengers movies are definitely good and serviceable, yep. they're also really drama-heavy. yeah. Yeah, and they're not—they're not the most fun. Is really what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, I still felt the like they Marvel had movie. more humor than most of the origin story stuff did. I will agree with that, but I think that's also something that you sacrifice with some of the subject matter that they're trying to go and work with. Yeah, uh, and also the part of that's you know directorial style and all that kind of stuff. I mean, th- this is the guy that made Buffy for God's sakes. Yep. I mean, that's. And Firefly. You're going to go and have... You're going to have some good comedy in there, regardless. But at the same time, I don't think anybody can look at Age of Ultron and go and say that they want to watch that over and over and over again versus, say, a Guardians of the Galaxy 
which in many respects had higher stakes. Yes. Yeah. And was a much more fun, entertaining, and attention-grabbing movie. You know, Age of Ultron, had they cut a half hour out of the film, and I think they could have very easily if they didn't have so many of these minor side plot things, I think it would be a much better film. Guardians of the Galaxy is not actually a terribly long movie compared to some of the other ones, but it crams so much into its runtime. It's interesting all the way through. It's fun. And there's always this sense of... Well, it has ridiculous moments. It has these moments of seriousness that always grind her, that always ground you down, and make you aware of what is going on—the uh, imminent nature of everything that's happening around it. You know, the concerns over uh, God. What the hell was the what the what was the bad guy's name in that? In which one? In uh... in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, uh... Oh God! Blue skin with hammer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, they were also yeah. very related to uh, Thor, or not Thor. Uh, 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 oh, why, why, why am I forgetting? <laughs> I'm getting burnt out on names all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, Thanos. Yeah. Or? Yes, Thanos. <laughs> yeah. Because it was very, yeah. very, very heavily related to Thanos. Like after they introduced yeah, well- Thanos in basically. Uh, Avengers, it was like uh, the uh, Chitari. Chitari were the alien races. Yeah. God, what was his race? I don't remember what his race was. I don't think they even. De- I don't even think that they ever defined what it was at that time. No, they. I don't even think they still defined. They have they? They did. Uh, oh wait, no, you're so- sorry. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Thanos for a second. No, you're talking about the guy from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yes. Right. Um. Yeah. No, he's um. Oh God! What the heck were they? Uh, I know, I'm fucking losing names. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> this is a problem with the Marvel movies. There's too many of them now, and too many damn characters. <laughs> uh, oh God! Ronan what the, the heck, accuser. What the yes, that's it. That's it. What was he again? He was uh, yeah, the Cree. I try to. Yes, the Cree. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And that movie, once again, did a great job of going and developing the world that they were in. Had good characters. And though I would say Ronan the Accuser was... Uh, yeah, he wasn't the most uh, well-defined villain. He was threatening. He was interesting. And he progressed the plot forward. That works really well. And that's the same thing the Hela did in... Thor Ragnarok. Great character, great motivations, interesting. You want to feel for her because she was cast aside. And that was great. And the way that the progression of the film goes, it makes things work really well because it does go and put this sense of doom and dread. This is the goddess of death that's shown up and she's only getting stronger with every moment and she wants to take over all the realms. Why stop at nine? She's such a great character because you know exactly what she wants to do. And you don't know if there's any way of stopping her. Especially after Mjolnir goes and gets destroyed. I mean, everybody's seen that from the trailers on there. Uh, You go and see Thor thrown off to this Junker world. And 
He's essentially made to go and fight in a gladiator pit. There's legitimate drama going on there, and it it is the most development, the most intrigue, the most character that we've ever seen Thor have. And it works really well. And I'd say the same thing about Loki, quite honestly. I... They gave us a little bit more of Loki in yes. Thor Part 2. Yes. But at the same time, you weren't really sure what his angle was most of the time. There was that one great moment after their mother was killed. Where you got to see Loki have this moment of humility. And him being with his brother on an emotional level for the first time in years. But then the rest of the movie, it's just like, when's he going to stab him in the back? When's he going to stab him in the back? When's he going to go and play the trick? And like, and it's like... They, he always predicts that in the... Like, they, they comment on that whole fact in the third one. Of like, yeah. he's the god of tricksters. It's He's become predictable. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, they, he's... They definitely mix up the... Like, what? It's the whole, uh... Uh, help me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's like it, it throws it into it. You just know they have a dynamic with each other because they're brothers and they grew up with each other. And it's like, oh, we got we got to do the help me. It's like I, I hate doing that one. It, it, it's humility. It's embarrassing, yeah. <laughs> but it works every time. And then, then they help me. My brother is injured. He needs help. Help me. <laughs> Throw. Ah. Oh, it's hum- that's... it's embarrassing, but it works every time. <laughs> and it just, it's it's like a great way to go into the because they've never really fully touched on them being brothers and it makes it very uh, uh, hu- uh, hum- it's humanizing yes that's the word humanizing that's what I was looking for yeah because the previous movies they always reference these facts mm-hmm. but you never actually see them having any moments of warmth towards each other even in that moment where he's or basically fam- going familiarity using, even yeah familiarity yeah, exactly he i mean what one of the worst scenes from the first thor was where thor was in the lockup and loki appears to him goes and tells him father's dead oh i can't have you come back that would be going against father's wishes it's like what that there's there's a big problem going on here. That is not the way that we would go and have these brothers reacting to each other. Thor 2 had some of those moments, but you always knew it was going to turn into something else. This one, they made it very clear it was always going to be something else. It actually makes the ending really touching when it's like, huh. There's... Yep. There's finally something. We're finally... Yeah. Seeing We're finally on the same page. Seeing seeing yeah. a dynamic between the two. Yeah, and it develops nicely as the movie goes along, even though they don't spend a ton of time together. There's definitely they they, they just wrote the characters well. They worked well together. Well, it's and it's almost I love, like they build it, they assume it like you they don't need to have to the introduction to everything because they already had that in like two other movies. So at this yeah. point it's just like, you know, you know what they've been through, so it's just like this time they just go, okay, we don't have to uh, get into the getting to know each other phase. It's just like, this is it. This is what I. This is what this person would say to this after all the shit they've been through. Don't need a. Yeah. Don't need to build up to it. It's just like, oh, you're, 
you're you on me. We're going to say our things and then throw something at your face to make sure you're actually there. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's... I love that. I, I really did love it because I wanted to love Loki's character. I wanted to love Tom Hiddleston in the second Thor movie, but you always knew there was another angle. And it's just like, ah... This movie, I loved that character because he was consistent from start to finish. And you just saw how everything came to where it ultimately ended. Especially when it came to his interactions with Je- with Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Yeah. I You gotta love a movie where the director clearly knows how to use your Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and his uh, um, very uh, unique uh, way of speaking. And... Uh, Going and playing that up with giant uh, 80-foot uh, broadcasts of him uh, constantly uh, um, uh, glitching out and making point of mm-hmm. the fact that he is very much Jeff uh, Goldblum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, just, they knew exactly what <laughs> they were doing with that. Slaves are revolting. I, I don't like that word. Slave? The S word. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Prisoners yeah. with jobs. Oh, that's way better. I like that. Yeah, that's way better. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just... Yeah. Oh, she's a, she's always a thing. Uh, what's that word? Start starts with a starts with a B. Uh, waste of human trash. Uh, what? No, it yeah. doesn't even what? start what? with a B. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, it's he's, he's a good character. He's he can play the insane character, uh, eccentrically insane character. So he he was also yeah. really fun in that movie. <laughs> or, or after the movie, uh, uh, yeah. Oh god, we all played a good that part. That was great. You had a we revolt. all played a good part. I had to be the evil dictator that you had a revolt against. Uh, so let's call it a tie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, oh, on that note, I, on I, on the Jeff yeah. Bloom note. Uh, yeah, I think it's time to wrap no, it up. No, I. Oh no, no. We we got we got two more subjects to go and hit here. Really? Oh, what two subjects? What you guys say? What? Okay, okay, okay. So I just gotta go and make the point here, because, I mean, the Warriors 3 were not interesting. Loki was not interesting in the previous movies. I still don't even remember what the hell the villains' names were for any of them in Thor 2. It was the... A- <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, it, they were the Dark Elves. The Dark Elves. That's, that's it. And also the plot yeah. was all about one of the Infinity Stones, which they both introduced and dealt with in the one episode, in the one movie. So it was yeah. very contained, not really relatable to anything else. The only yeah. references they ever made to it was in the Marvel TV show. Um, yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And even that was awkward. Yeah, and it was sort of just like, it pops right into it, and it's just like, yeah, we're cleaning up the mess they made. Yeah, That's yeah. it. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's not even a five-minute reference. It's the worst. Yeah. That's a it's this one, sort of a five-minute reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then this movie... The, the crew... You know, this... this what, what what do they refer to them as? The Revengers? The Revengers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a great cast of lunatics. Yeah. I... Valkyrie. I was convinced that I was going to go into that movie... And not like this character. The little that we had seen of her from the trailers, I was just like, okay, this is the new love interest. Yeah. This sure, we're just, we're gonna go with this. Just okay, she's she's pretty, she's hot, I love the outfit. I'm going to see in sparks going and falling. I never even saw that scene in the movie, like 
They either shot that just for the trailer or something else, but... Yeah, that's the thing, is, uh... I was, yeah, they, I was they, expecting, they like, made a us love think interest, a different movie. but I'm not... Yeah. I'm still kind of confused if she was Bruce Banner's love interest or if she was, like, Thor's love interest, but, like, I guess technically she was neither. She wasn't a love yeah, interest. Yeah, exactly. No, she was just... She was the supporting character. Yep. She was the new counsel <laughs> to the king. And she came from the gutter. Like, I never thought I'd see a character that was introduced as a drunk bounty hunter that I would be cheering for by the end. And can we just talk about on how awesome it was going and seeing a Valkyrie firing a machine gun from a spaceship piloted by the Hulk. Did you ever think that those words would ever come out of a man's mouth, let alone be in a script? See, that's another thing, is like, I like the fact that they actually gave Hulk voice lines. Well, they gave the Hulk personality, which we've been sorely missing, is this is like, okay, is he a weapon or is he a character? Yeah. You can't go and keep treating him like the military wants to go and make a weapon out of this system and go and treat it like it's supposed to be something we're sympathizing with when you literally make him into the weapon for the Avengers. There's no personality to that character. And the whole lullaby thing to get him to turn back into Banner, it just comes off as awkward. It's like, are they the same person or are they different? They never did a good job of defining that. This movie? Oh my god, he's been the Hulk for two years! The Hulk learned how to speak. The Hulk defined himself as a different character. And finally, Bruce Banner's drama comes into play, and it works. He really doesn't have control. This is a whole different being inside of him. It's scary. His concerns over turning back into that thing? Now we actually have something. He might not ever turn back. Yeah. That's great. They actually managed to go and give... Bruce Banner and the Hulk personality and characters and at the end of it I actually liked Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner I actually liked the Hulk in these movies holy shit they introduced a character out of nowhere like Valkyrie and her progression as the story goes and comes along her coming full circle back to where she started <laughs> I loved it they just they got it right and Korg See, Korg. that's the thing about Korg, is Korg is just, like, a character you do not expect to... That's a character I would expect to be in, like, Guardians of the Galaxy. Not yeah. Thor. He's he just... He's Korg. He's there, and you're like, what even is this character doing here? He does not fit in the themes that I expected from Thor. And so it made yeah. Thor very different. Completely... Yeah, it- shift change on the way Thor movies have been for the last two so well and and he's such a weird one too because he's a character that they wrote in that is so different and they used him almost exclusively as a plot device you know going and explaining the way the her uh, uh, the Colosseum works then being the guy that starts the revolution yeah <laughs> Yeah. Then being the guy that gives Loki the reins again. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're gonna steal that ship. You wanna come? Yeah. We're all gonna get well, on it that does ship seem, right now. You wanna come along? Yeah. It's like you guys. Well, it does seem like you guys are in sore lack of a 
brilliant leader. Yeah. Like, oh, sure, let's go. <laughs> it's just, and then <laughs> his character is just like, yeah, I tried to start a revolution, put out some pamphlets, uh, but only my mom showed up and her boyfriend, who I ate. It's just, and I didn't notice until I watched the credits. But did you realize that, that was the director? Was it? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was uh, uh, what's his name? He's like a New Zealand actor. Uh, but like shit, maybe. Yeah, no, no, it's it's the director, uh, Takai. What is what tidy? I I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> God, to put that character in there and be like, I'm going to voice this character. Yeah. yeah, apparently he did the motion capture and went and did the voice for him. <laughs> yeah, Takeda with Titi. Wow. Yeah, I, I have no idea how to pronounce his name, but I gotta say, I want to see more of what this director can go and do. I, I don't want him directing, like, an Avengers movie. You know, I want him doing something serious, but, like, I, I want to see this guy do more. I've really liked his style and his understanding of pacing in movies. Because, God, that's one of the things that Marvel movies have a hard time with. Pacing is an issue. It's something that DC movies have an issue with as well, but they have got a lot of other problems that I'm not going to bring up. Yeah. 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 So, uh... Well, I guess yeah, he's I, uh, a New Zealand actor. Because uh, I yeah. thought it was, uh... Oh, what's his name? Uh, God. Uh, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. What? 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 Has he done something else? Um, he's been in a lot of, he's been in a lot of, like, Flight of the Concord stuff. Uh, what else was he in? He's been in things. The guy I'm thinking of. I believe you, I believe you. What else has he been in? Oh, well. Uh, you, you, you think about that, I'm just gonna wrap up my thought here. So, yeah. Thor Ragnarok, I totally recommend it. It's the best Thor movie. It's one of the better Marvel movies, I will say. But don't get caught in with the hype. It still has some issues. Like, it's a really fun movie. And I'm going to watch it multiple times. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy in the respect that it's entertaining. And I think the more times that I watch it, I'm going to find something else that I like about it. I'm only on my second viewing of this thing at this point. Because at this point, I found myself having to watch movies twice to go and determine whether or not it's actually good or not. Because sometimes you get caught up in things. And I have the same opinion of it after the second viewing. It's just as good the second time. It's smart, it's funny, it's interesting, and it knows on how to manage cameos. Uh, the Doctor Strange thing, you know, they teased his interaction with this whole thing at the end of Doctor Strange... You know, that he was going to be meeting Thor and all that. The extended portion of that scene was really well done. It didn't drag on too long. And it wasn't like, oh, well, we're going and making Thor 3 Civil War, where we're just introducing a whole... or where we're going and bringing in a whole bunch of other characters that you've seen in other films already. This one does world-building the way that I expect it to. I don't know, I just... I can't say enough good things about it. Most of the things I'd say that are not so good about it are pretty minor criticisms in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you anything to say to the contrary or anything like that, Tyler? Uh, I mean, that's, that's my two cents. Rise Darby, that's his name. Rise Darby. Oh yeah. Okay. Now I get, now know yeah. you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Like I got you, you you know you recognize him if you see him because he was in like just 
lot. He's like the almost like a, a what they use for the stereotypical comedian who's also from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, God, yeah, because he was always in flight. He was in Flight of the Concords. He was in What We Do in the Shadows. He was in uh, just a bunch of stuff. You just recognize his voice and him as a person. He's an actor too. Anyway, I thought I thought that was him, but I guess not. I guess that was just like the director who was voicing him. And they have like I guess the a very similar voice. Apparently, which is sort of like a higher pitched New Zealand accent voice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Shit. Well then. Yeah. No. It was. It's a weird movie. That's what I gotta say. Is that it's like it's a. It's a good movie. It's very funny. I watched it in D box actually, so that was good because like the uh, a lot of D box stuff it, it wasn't very good, but this one it was like your chair really moved around quite a bit for the movie. So I'd say it's one of those ones that is actually worth in D box. I I had it on high and I had it turned down to medium because it really threw you around. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I saw it in IMAX, and damn, that was a fun experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great work, great work on the sound design. Like every hit, I actually felt in the chair. Oh, I actually felt, which was in pretty the chair, cool. My chair moved. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, we don't have IMAX. We have D box though. Yeah, and we have VIP. Yeah, yeah. So no, I I. Yeah, no, that was that was good. I haven't I haven't had a movie experience like that in IMAX since The Dark Knight Rises, oh. just because that's a movie. You know, I, I know that it's not a film that everybody is in love with. You know, it seems to be pretty recognized as being a good movie all the way around, but it might not be people's favorite kind of superhero movie. It's definitely a different kind of thing than what Thor Ragnarok was, but sound design. And the way that they utilized it in terms of bringing you into the moments in the action was very intense. I started having a bit of an anxiety attack when I watched Dark Knight Rises in the movie theater. Because there's a scene where Batman is fighting Bane for the first time in the sewers. And every concussive hit that Bane goes and lands on Batman, the base effect is four or five times higher than what you got when Batman was hitting him. So you really felt every impact that Batman was having in that scene and just on how weak he was in comparison to Bane. That was a really cool thing. Though there wasn't an intense drama moment like that in Thor, there were some crazy things, particularly involving Hulk, that you really felt the full brunt of the scene that you were in. Or Surtur at the end destroying Asgard. (laughs) It's and or, the explosion. Or right at the beginning, uh, when he's fighting yeah. him, like it's oh god, it yeah. enters into a fight, a very comical, then goes to a fight scene. It's then uh, that fight scene also ends very comically. Um, yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of humor in there. Um, and then he shows up, and it turns into a humorous situation. And then they go somewhere, and turns into a humorous situation. And they go yeah. somewhere, and they get to become solemn, gets very intense, and then. It sort of turns into a humor situation. Well, it does turn into a humor. It goes into a semi-humor, then it turns into a very humorous situation. Man, lots of it's most scenes are it's very comical. 
It's Guardians of the Galaxy all over again. Yeah. And that's a compliment. So, I don't know. I, I'd say, like, go watch the movie. Just go watch the movie. It's it's not what you expect. It really isn't. So, that's that's what I gotta say. So, yeah. Anyways, we, we should wrap up. Yeah, no, now, now we're... Now we're done. I've, I've, I've made my piece. I've said everything I want to do about that movie. I've been yep. wanting to rant about it. Well, we've talked like, about I wasn't sure this was the right time. I wanted to go and use this as an opportunity to make fun of Cole, because I'm sure he hasn't seen it. No, of course he hasn't seen it. Of course not. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, why, why would he go and see a movie that he claims he likes a franchise for? Yeah. And, you know. I mean, so you have to go see the other a great thing too. to talk about on the, the other podcast. Either, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, all right, we got our jokes in on Cole. Yeah. Tyler, end this. Okay. Go. Well, <laughs> thanks all for coming. Uh, we talked a lot about movies and television. Star television goes in the movies. That's what happens. So uh, I thank you for uh, listening to this. Um, and, yeah, check us out on, uh, of course, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube. Around that? Mm, yes, yes, we are on YouTube. YouTube, yep. yeah, yeah. So check us out on all those platforms. I... Uh, well, Google Play Music. Google Play Music. Look at that. Uh, and also suggest it if you like it and you want us to talk about things and you want us other people to also like enjoying to listen to us about talking about things. Suggest it to people. Uh, give some reviews, some positive reviews. Those always help too. So do tell your friends. Tell your friends. I, I sort of said that. Suggest it to people. Yeah. Um, and if you want to contact us, oh, we got many places to contact us. We got uh, our email, which is soccerrangerspodcast at gmail.com, or our Facebook page, Soccer Rangers Podcast, or our Twitter, which is Twitter at Soccer Rangers. Um, multiple ways to get a hold of us to say, hey, I liked what you did, or uh, here's some my comments on my opinions on things, or just say hi. You can always just say hi. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. I uh, hope you enjoyed us. And this is me saying goodbye for now. Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs>